Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We've been in the Gospel of Matthew for a good amount of time, and we are in chapter 10 tonight. Matthew chapter 10 tonight. This is... um, I'm reading from verses 5 to 23, 5 to 23, and um, that's a lot of verses. That's a lot of verses, and you'll notice that the worship team is not on tonight, and I told them, listen, I'm going to preach for an hour straight, and so you can take a break. No, that's not what happened. Next week, next week we have worship night, and so they use the hour um, to prep. For, for next week. So remember, next week is worship night, so no Bible study, but invite everyone you know to come and experience the presence of God. It's gonna be more worship focused. We're gonna have Kimberly with us, uh, and so it's going to be a good time. Amen? Amen. You ready? Woo! Yeah. You know what's nice about the cold weather, though? I bet you came in here awake and alert. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 10. Verse five to 23. Woo, all right. I'm reading out of the ESV translation. It says this, uh, these 12 Jesus sent out instructing them, go uh, nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, now give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals, or a staff for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town and village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Verse 16, behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. How many of you have ever heard that before? Verse 17, beware of men for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 23 When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. 
Lord, for your word tonight. God, help us to get in the right mindset. Allow our hearts to be postured correctly before you tonight. Allow us to hear from you. Help us to have a posture of receiving. Lord, uh, not just so that we can uh, consume content tonight, but God, that we would receive so that you would mobilize us, uh, that, that we would move as we hear your voice say go. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. I pray, Father, for any distractions, anything that, that, that is hindering us from hearing you clearly, I pray that your spirit would just cause that to move into the background. Let us hear your voice clearly. Help us to have fun tonight in your word for this next hour and a half or an hour. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. <laughs> Somebody said to me the other, um, the other week, I was having a conversation with an individual, a newcomer, and uh, they had said, Pastor Moses, why do you preach such short messages on Wednesday night? And for a second, I had to kind of, like, you know when you think they're not finished, and so you don't, you don't say anything because you, you think there's more coming? Because I'm waiting for him to laugh, to say, oh, I'm just joking, you know, I'm trying to be funny. Uh, and so I'm waiting, and to my surprise, he was being serious. And so I, I am taking his advice, his advice tonight. <laughs> Woo. All right, you're gonna have fun tonight. This is, I'm gonna be honest with you. Someone say, get ready. This is a hard text. This is the kind of text that I wish I, I wasn't doing a verse by verse series and I could just skip over, pass over, and, and we, can just hit, we can just hit the next section. We could go straight into chapter 11. Um, and I say that to say, to, to, to really prep you because these are one of those, this is, one, this is a section where, where when we, as we get into it, you'll realize, man, this, this seems so backward. This seems so upside down. This, this doesn't make sense. What is Jesus talking about? Did, this, did these words really come out of Jesus' mouth? Did you ever hear something and you're like, wow, that sounds really harsh or that sounds really intense. I'm sure Jesus didn't, didn't say it. And then you go to the Bible and, and, and you're reading verse by verse and then all of a sudden you get hit with the, uh, a verse and you're like, wait, Jesus did say it. And so this is, this is one, of those, one of those sections. And so uh, let, let's, go, let's go through this um, verse by verse. So verse five. You remember that Jesus picks out the 12. Remember that? He names the 12, he picks them out, and then he sends them out, and he says, go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, uh, but rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Right? Now, why was this important? This was important because the Messiah was there for the Jews first. That's what Paul tells us, right? That the power of the gospel comes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So, Jesus instructs them, go out, go to the lost sheep. Because remember, he looked at a crowd and he saw sheep without a shepherd. So he says, go to the lost sheep of the household of Israel and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Now, this is the whole point of following Jesus, okay? The whole point of following Jesus is that Jesus has not just invited us to follow him, but he has also commanded and instructed us to go. Hello. 
So, so I want you to catch this because this is in Matthew chapter 10. But most, most of the times we don't talk about the sending out of disciples until we get to Matthew chapter 28, which is the Great Commission. So everybody wants to talk about the Great Commission, but the Great Commission is not the first time Jesus says go. It's actually not even the first time Jesus hints at the fact that following him requires you to be sent. For he said to the disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So right from the gecko, Jesus has painted a picture, right? He, he, he has clarified any expectations so that later on in your relationship with him, you're not, wait, hold on, uh, this, I didn't see this in the contract. Hello? Um, uh, a few years ago, I did, a, I did a series on discipleship where uh, we, 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 we talked about discipleship, we talked about the reality that every disciple is called to make disciples. And I had an individual who had a conversation with me and he said, I don't, I don't think that's for every Christian. Which was interesting because he was confused about, about the calling and the office of the evangelist versus the duty every disciple, someone say every disciple. Every disciple has a duty to be sent by Jesus, to go where Jesus says go. That is not reserved for the office of the evangelist. Hello, somebody? This is for every disciple. So he says, go, I want you to go, and I want you to proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Same message John the Baptist preached, same message Jesus preached at the start of his ministry, and then he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And so I want, I want you to catch this because, because in this, what we see really is Jesus giving them authority. Okay? It's, he's, not just, he's not just saying, okay, I'm going to gift you and you can do all these cool abilities. No, no, no. He's saying, as you go, guess what goes with you? My authority. Right? Because let's go back. He says, I want you to proclaim as you go. Don't say as you go. As you go. So what's the lifestyle of a Christian? What's the lifestyle of a disciple? That anywhere we go, whatever occupation we find ourselves in, whatever geographic location we find ourselves in, as we go, we are going because Jesus has sent us. And as we go, we have been commissioned and equipped by the authority of Jesus. And so when Jesus says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, here's what he is saying. I'm sending you out, but I'm not sending you without equipping you. I'm, I'm not sending you without going with you. And I love that he says, as you go, because sometimes the restriction and the hindrance to obeying the voice of Jesus to go comes with the voice that tells us, I don't think I'm equipped yet. And what we do is we spend 12 years coming to Bible study trying to be equipped. Meanwhile, Jesus says, it's, it's in the going, it's as you go that you discover my authority has already been placed in you and over you. Does that make sense? And so Jesus continues. So, so that's important, why? Because Jesus is, is blessing the apostles and, and they're receiving his ministry and his authority. 
When we say yes to the ministry of Jesus, we're not just receiving his ministry, we're also receiving his authority, right? And so he says, acquire no gold, no silver, no copper for your belts, no, no bag for the journey, two tunics, sandals, or staff. Don't, don't acquire, someone say acquire. This is, this is important because here's, here's what Jesus has just said. He's sending out the 12 and he is saying the mission is greater than what you can acquire. Right? So, so I want you to think about your life. I want you to think about all the things from, from an early age that you longed to acquire. Jesus comes in and he disrupts the plans and all the things we've laid out. Hello? Because many of you have told yourself that at this age, you'll have these things and be here, make this level of income and, and all sorts of things. And, and that's not to say that you cannot plan. Planning is great. How many know it's wise to plan? But in comes Jesus to say, listen, if, if you're gonna obey my voice to be sent, here's what you need to understand. The mission is greater than everything. The mission is greater than when you can, what you can acquire because you're gonna go, and he's talking to his disciples, and, and people are gonna see you as good religious people trying to do the right thing, and they're gonna try to give you these offerings, they're gonna try to do this, and coins, and all of that stuff. But here's what you have to remember, it's the mission that's important. You, you've been sent to, to follow and obey a mission. Go preach and proclaim the kingdom of God to those who are my lost sheep. And go with my authority. Now, this, this does not mean that, that we have a life where, where we don't have things or, or possessions. But at the end of the day, here's what Jesus said that the mission has to be greater. The mission has to be greater because here's what happens. There's certain people under the sound of my voice, God told you go 20 years ago, but you were so tied to what you have acquired or what you think you still need to acquire that you did not listen. And so you did life as you want it to and and the mission that Jesus has called you for and called you to long forgotten because you're so tied to what you have. So here's what Jesus wants for his disciples, that even if they have acquired much, that they would be so tied to his heart and his will that the moment he said go, we would be willing to let it all go and go where he tells us to go. Hello? So, so even in obedience to, to God, even in obedience to, to the being sent, even in the obedience to going, what we are saying to God is, is I believe if you're gonna send me, then you're gonna equip me and you're gonna provide for me. And so he trained his disciples to pray, give us this daily bread. Don't, don't worry, do not be anxious about tomorrow your father feeds the birds and clothes the lilies. That, that's the mindset he sends his disciples with. Verse 11, 
He says, in whatever town or village you enter. What, what I love about this is I'm reading this and I'm, you ever just read things a few times? Maybe that's just me. <laughs> and I'm reading this and I'm like, and whatever town, and whatever town, and whatever town, and whatever town, and whatever town. You, do you know that, that sometimes we, we, we spend too much time and energy uh, wasting the mission and the call because we're trying to figure out what town and what village? What people? What ministry? What area? What city? What occupation? And Jesus says, whatever town and whatever village you go into. Meaning, you can obey my call to tell you that you're sent and you go with my authority anywhere you find yourself. So, ladies and gentlemen, it does not matter where you are. The voice of Jesus still tells you go. The voice of Jesus still tells you go. Isn't that incredible? I'm praying that God sends me to Hawaii and, uh, and that's, that's my place where he says go. Amen, somebody? That'll be... <laughs> All right? Anybody else feeling called to Hawaii to be... Yeah, come on now. <laughs> come on, won't he do it? Yeah, you're coming with me. That's right. We're taking, we're taking everybody. Okay, so, so he says, whatever town, whatever village you enter, find out. Someone say find out. Now, this is, this is important. We're going to come back to this. He says, find out who is worthy in it. Stay there until you depart. And so this, this idea of worthy sounds interesting, right? But, but this is simply those who are willing to receive you. Those who are willing to receive the gospel. These, these are the worthy. Now, you, you think about that and you think about people who want to receive the gospel. You're, in your mindset, you wouldn't go, well, these, these are worthy and those are unworthy. And so even the language Jesus uses is very particular, very interesting. And he says, find out who's worthy. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And so here's what Jesus has just said. People who are not willing to receive the gospel are not worthy. And here's the instruction he gives to his disciples, okay? The instructions, or let me say, here's what, here's what he doesn't say to his disciples. He doesn't say, find out who's not worthy who's not receptive, who doesn't want to receive, and spend every hour, every minute of your energy trying to convince them. He, he doesn't say that. See, see, this is one of the most, for, for myself, one of the most freeing verses. Why? Because it, it removes that responsibility off of me. And what Jesus is saying is you can be spending more time on the mission then you are, you know, losing all this energy over someone who's not going to receive it. And so you ever have, you know, a, a coworker, a family member, you've been trying to get them saved for years. Hello? Every family gathering. So you want to come to church? 
So did you make a decision on Jesus? So, you know, what do you, have you been going to church? Did you find a nice, you know? Hey, my church is having a service, you know, it's, uh, and, and we, we take every opportunity, we do, don't we? And, and by the way, that's, that's not necessarily wrong, right? But here's what Jesus has just said. He said, you could actually be spending that energy on people whose hearts I'm already preparing. See, see, here's what you don't know about what was happening in your heart before you received the forgiveness of Jesus. You think you heard it and bam, you received it. The Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit, before you ever said yes, was preparing the grounds of your heart. For, for, for Jesus had said, no one can enter the new birth unless it's by the Spirit. Meaning, what, what is Jesus helping us see about the new birth? That it is a work of the Spirit. Now here's something that's hard to realize. There are some hearts the Spirit is not working on. And so we need discernment, we need wisdom, we need to have ears and eyes that can perceive what the Spirit of God is doing so that we're not wasting time and energy, right? So, so theologically, there's, there's two camps, right? When it comes to, when, when it comes to uh, uh, how we receive salvation, there, there's a camp that says, hey, listen, it's completely up to the human being. God has given us free choice. He's given us a free will. And so when we come to faith, when we choose Jesus, we choose Jesus. And then there's another camp who says, no, 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 no. Forget the choosing part. It is completely a sovereign work of God, Right? And so over centuries, the past centuries, there, these camps have caused division and divided people because people are saying, no, 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 it's a, it's a human choice, it's a it's free will, it's this. And the other camp is saying, no, forget the free will, you can't choose God even if you wanted to. It's, it's the work of God, it's sovereignty, it's all of this. And here's what Jesus has just said. He says, I want you to minister, to preach the gospel, to live out and walk out my authority in the lives of other people as if everything depended on them to say yes. But when you go home, I want you to sleep like everything depends on my will. Catch that. So a small group uh, meeting a couple years ago, there's a, there's a, there's a, an individual, we were just having conversation regarding this, and, 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 and she began to, to, to weep, to cry, to be, to be brokenhearted, and, and, and to some degree, rightly so, uh, over all the people who will go to hell because they did not receive Jesus. But the will of God is not that you and I be tormented about that. That's, that's not the will of God. Because only the spirit can cause the new birth. And yet at the same time, the tension is, Paul says, how will they, how will they believe unless they know the one to believe? And how will they know unless someone preaches? And how will someone preach? And so there's this tension. And so in practice, someone say practice. 
We, we ought to minister. We ought to proclaim. We ought to live out, walk out, and move in the proclamation and the power of the gospel. But make no mistake, we don't lose sleep over it because God is on the throne. And so Jesus says, there are those who are worthy and there are those who are not. Notice he says, if, if you find someone who's not worthy, in other words, not receptive, my spirit has not been working in their heart. Don't lose peace over it. So, so you've given them your peace. You realize they're not receptive. You realize, and you can know, this is, why, this is why inviting the Holy Spirit into every conversation is so important. Because you realize those who are receptive and those who are not. And if you realize this person is not receptive, they're not worthy, they're not part of the flock, then don't lose peace over it. Let your peace return to you. When Jesus says, let your peace return to you, he's saying, don't lose peace over it. There's a scripture that, that Jesus says, there's a scripture where, that quotes Jesus, and Jesus says to a particular group of people, you don't love me because you're not my sheep. He doesn't say, if you love me, you're my sheep. I need you to catch this, this is, this is heavy. You don't love me because you're not my sheep. So, so your love for me is absent because you're not part of the flock. Explain that, Pastor Mo. I can't. I can't. All I can tell you is, is Paul, in Ephesians chapter one, sheds a little bit of light in that he says God in his sovereignty chose us before the foundation of this earth. Explain that. I can't. I can't. But I tell you what, it helps me sleep. It helps me sleep when I think about family members, friends, and, and people I come into contact with who, who desperately need God but refuse him, I cannot change their heart. So I don't lose my peace. Going back to what Jesus said, he says, find out. Someone say find out. In other words, what Jesus has just said Make no mistake, this mission is gonna require some work. When Jesus says find out, it means you have to have conversation. Uh-oh. You have to open your mouth. You have to converse. You have to dialogue. You might have to pay for someone's coffee. You, you might have to take someone out for a meal or two. Find out. There's work to be done. It's not just gonna happen automatically. Find out, do your part. Verse 14, if anyone will not receive you 
or listen to your words, here it is. Shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that town. Crazy. Jesus, what? You mean, you mean rent an Airbnb in that spot, in that town, and bother this individual until one day, hopefully, he receives you. Nope. He goes, no, if you, if you go into that town, if you go into that village, people don't receive you, they don't listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet and move on. Move on. Now, this is important. Someone say, shake off the dust. All right, this is not a reference to a Taylor Swift song. This is Jesus. Do I have any young people who would laugh at that? Okay, a couple. All right. <laughs> Everyone over, over their 20s is like, what the, what is he? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind when I look at this is, is Jesus is, is, is talking about the concept of rejection. Okay, let's, let's not romanticize this. Let's not, let's not say this is as easy as it seems. You go to a town, you move into a town, you move into a village for the sake of the mission of Jesus and, 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 and you're now in investing resources, time and energy so that people would respond. You're, you're taking people out for dinner, for coffees, you're inviting them over and over again. You, you feel the, the, the guilt of, am I annoying? Am I doing too much? And, and Jesus says, shake off the, he just, he, he's talking about rejection. Jesus is saying, what do you do when, when someone rejects you and, and you're trying to do my work? He says, shake off the dust of that town. Meaning, watch this. When, when you're my disciple, Jesus is saying, when you're, when you're following me, don't let rejection leave any residue on you. you you're not going into future experiences and calls that I've, that I've prepared for you, carrying the hurt and the garbage of the past. You're not doing that. For, for God has said to his people, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And how can we serve the God of new things, carrying every rejection and hurt from the past? And all that rejection and all that hurt and all that pain and all that trauma, all it's doing to you is lying to you about how ill-equipped you might be that Jesus cannot work through you. And Jesus says, my disciples, those who have stepped into my kingdom, no, they're not gonna have any residue of rejection on them. They're gonna know who they are and why they've been created. So, so shake off the dust. That's, that's the first place my mind goes to. Now, you do some research, you realize shaking off the dust was actually a Jewish thing. J Jews would do this as they left Gentile regions. It was a, it was a sound, or sorry, it was a sign that, that we've, we've removed any sort of, of fragments of uncleanliness because Gentiles were unclean. 
And so literally Jews, as they would leave the, the Gentile regions, remember they weren't allowed to touch them, they weren't allowed to share the same, same dishes as they, as they ate, they, they weren't allowed to do any of that because Gentiles were unclean. So what they would do as a sign of, of, of removing everything unclean is they would shake off the dust as they left that region. Now watch what Jesus just did because Jesus just, Jesus just turned gangster, okay? He goes, he goes, this sign that the Jews used to shake off the uncleanliness of the Gentiles, now this is a sign to them for their judgment. Because remember, he's sending them to the Jews first, the lost sheep of Israel. So remember, you're, you're a Jewish person, and here come the 12 disciples preaching the gospel to you, and you say, we, want, we don't want nothing. And he goes, I want you to treat them the way they've been treating Gentiles. This will be a sign of judgment for them. Now, if we go back, here's what we also understand. Jesus wants them to, to leave that town and that house. The, the, the understanding is that you need to go to another town. Here's what Jesus said. Your assignment is greater than your affliction. I need you to catch that. Because here, here's what's easy for the disciples to do. A season of affliction, right, can, can cause the world to stop. And all of a sudden, you forget about your assignment. You forget about the one you're following. You're for, you forget about the fact that he has called you and he has sent you. He has said, go. And so affliction causes the world to stop. And Jesus says, no, 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 your assignment is greater than your affliction. Don't be distracted. Move on and carry out your call. Amen? And so, Jesus says, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. Hands up if you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Real quick. Okay. If you don't, Old Testament story of God literally destroying a people in a city because they were disobedient. They did not obey the voice of God. Now, you know what Jesus has just done? He has just destroyed every argument that says the Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God. When Jesus references a moment like that, he, he has destroyed and removed every confusion. Yeah, yeah, you know, the Old Testament God is different. You know, he was angry. He was, he was in a bad mood. He was like that old grumpy grandpa. Right, the stories we tell. And Jesus has just said, no, 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 that's not the, that's not, that's, that's not a different God. That's the, that's the same God. And, and, and in case we, we are too quick to skip over this, Jesus just pronounced a greater judgment on the Jews that don't respond to his gospel than what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. Let that sink in for a moment. That's Jesus. You know, the dude in the paintings carrying the lamb over his shoulder? Yeah, that, that's him saying there, there's levels to this judgment. And make no mistake, they will receive judgment. And Sodom and Gomorrah their judgment is going to be nothing compared to what these people receive. Do we catch that? 
Verse 16, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Here's really where we get to our message. So all of a sudden, there's a switch. Someone say switch. So, so Jesus, earlier on, right, says, says what? I'm sending you to the lost sheep. Now, if we go fast forward again, now he's saying, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of what? Wolves. So, so he's switched now. And, and he's gone from, from sending them to the Jews now to sending them to Gentiles. That's, that's the switch. Okay? So, right? Even Paul said the power of the gospel first to the Jew, then, then to the Greek, then to the Gentiles. So Jesus has sent them out to the Jews, but now he is sending them to the Gentiles. He's saying, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of the wolves. Now, this is a problematic sentence. Shepherds, don't send sheep toward wolves. Shepherds protect sheep from the wolves. Hello? Right? We talked about Jesus being the shepherd. We talked about Psalms 23. We talked about this. Jesus says of himself, I'm the good shepherd. And, and if Jesus, this, see, this part confuses me. Because I'm like, Jesus... You're a good shepherd. Now, my definition of good would not include sending my sheep in the midst of wolves. What a shepherd was supposed to do was protect his sheep from the wolves. Now, now you know, he would have a rod, he would have a staff, and so if, if a wolf got too close for whatever reason, he, he would use that to, to hit and strike the wolf, to scare away the wolf, to protect his pack of sheep. Now, we don't talk too much about this. There's, there's references made to, to, to a, a, later, a later letter in the New Testament that talks about be, being a, you know, a, a, aware and cautious of, of wolves dressed in sheep's clothing, right? And, and we spend a lot of time talking about that. We spend a lot of time preaching about that. Man, careful of the wolves, why? Here's what that reveals to me, by the way. It reveals to me that we're so much about us. We're so much about the gathering. We're so much about uh, what we experience here, the worship, the music. It's, it's, remember, I made the statement a couple weeks ago that, that for some of us, church literally is a means of consuming Christian content. That's what church is. I'm here to consume Christian content. You know? And, and that's why you have guilt trips where, where you go, man, I spent I spent a lot of time not reading my word. I, 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 was, I was watching this and I was listening to that. And, and uh, man, when I was working out, Drake came on and this. And now I better make sure I better make sure I, I balance it all out and consume some Christian content. So we come to church to consume Christian content. And that's why we spend so much more time talking about the wolves dressed in sheep's clothing than we do talking about the, the one we're following telling us, hey, I'm sending you as sheep amongst the wolves. In case you missed it in the poetic language, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you to die. Sheep amongst wolves, 
don't survive. So Jesus has just brought up death. Why has he brought up death? Sheep amongst wolves. Sheeps don't have a chance. I was watching, I was watching this video just randomly came on of, of, of this guy who, who's living in the woods, living the life, you know, and, and he, has, he has some wolves. He's giving this wolf a bat, and, and this wolf is just aggravated. You could, you, could, you could see him growling. You could see his, his teeth, and I'm like, you're putting your hand really close to that monster of a thing that could probably rip your head off, right? Wolves are aggressive. And Jesus is saying, your sheep, and I'm sending you into wolves. I'm preparing you to die. And here's what we need to understand. If Jesus earlier said, your, your assignment is greater than your afflictions, he is now saying, death should never hinder your destiny. Death. When it comes to my disciples, is not a thing they fear. For, for we serve and worship a God who defeated sin, hell, and the grave. Do you know why Jesus defeated sin first and death after? Because death is a consequence of sin. And so he defeats sin first so that death has no chance. One theologian says to a believer, when you follow this God, death stops becoming the thing that torments you. And death actually becomes a servant who opens the door for you as you meet your master. That's death from our perspective. A thing that causes us to tremble? No, no, no. A servant who holds the door open because even death now has a king and his name is Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? And so he says, I'm sending you out. A sheep amongst the wolves. So, someone say so. Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I've seen this scripture be misused so many times. When Jesus says, be wise as serpents, here's what he's saying. He's saying, as Christians, you ought to be the smartest people in the room. You ought to be the ones who strategize. You ought to be the ones who think things through. You ought to be the ones who look at your city, you look at your neighborhoods, you look at the places and people God has placed you with and in, and you say, how can I get the gospel to them? You be wise as serpents. You strategize, you pray, you fast, you discern. Right? Snakes so crafty. 
And he says, not only are you to be as wise as serpents, crafty, strategic, intelligent, but you're supposed to be as innocent as doves. Now, when Jesus says be innocent as doves, he does not say just, just assume innocence. He says, be innocent. Walk and live in the purity, the holiness that I have called you to, to live out as you're in my kingdom. Be set apart. Be separate. Be distinct. And I've said this before, but some of the, one of the reasons we're not making the difference that we're making is we're not distinct. You, you cannot change a world you look like and live like. You can't. Be, be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. And he says, beware of men. We're doing okay? Be, beware of men for, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you, the Bible says, will. You, you will be dragged. Before governors, before kings, for my sake. So here's what he has just said. They, they're gonna deliver you, beware. Why do you need to be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves? Because this world, hates me and because they hate me they're going to hate you so they're coming after you this is a guarantee there's not a whole lot of things the bible guarantees persecution guaranteed right you didn't think you were going to receive such encouraging news tonight he goes no no, no. you you will be delivered over over to them because because my gospel is an offense the cross the message of the cross an offense and, and, and they're gonna drag you before governors and kings. And so you're gonna, you're gonna go to court. And we, we see this actually coming true if you read the book of Acts, the account of the early church. We see this happening. The disciples and early Christians dragged into court, told they have to stop talking about Jesus is king because Caesar is king and all these things. And so, and so why would they do that? But why would they, why would they drag them to court? Because they want to shame them. They want to persecute them. But here's, here's the crazy thing, because I read somewhere in the Bible that God takes, takes what the enemy meant for evil and he uses it for his, his good. And if you're called and, and according to his purpose and you love him, that, that he works all things out for your good. And so even in this situation, you have kings and you have governors and you have a world who hates Jesus, who drags you into courts. And he says, I'm going to turn that around and I'm going to use you to be my witness. What a God. What has he just said? He, he, he's saying when you, when you reach a moment like this, don't, don't be confused. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't think this is a moment for you to defend yourself and your reputation. No, no, no. This is a moment for you to be my witness. Preach the gospel. Tell them who I am. Tell them what I've done in your life. What? 
God, you're not serious. I could go to jail. No wonder he sets the precedence. I'm sending you as sheep amongst wolves. Jail. I've delivered you from death. So, so, so bear witness before them and the Gentiles when they deliver you over. You notice Jesus is not talking in ifs. It's when they deliver you over. Don't be anxious for how you're to speak and what you're to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak. What? So why do I have to not make this about me defending myself? Why do I have to not become anxious and fear, jail, death, and, and persecution? Why? Because in that moment, you're not the one speaking. Well, well, who is Jesus? He says, the spirit of your father will speak through you. See, sometimes the reason the Father does not speak through us is, is because we have not put ourselves in situations where the only thing that's going to help, the only thing that's going to glorify his name is not my ability to conjure up words. It's unless he comes. For it's not you who speaks, but the spirit of my father, but the spirit of my father, but the spirit of my father. You know, Jesus says to the disciples later on in his ministry, he says, I'm leaving, but guess what? I'm sending an helper. I'm, I'm sending the helper, he says. Do you know that this happens? You don't even realize it, but this happens. This happens in conversations. This happens when you're praying and you don't know what to pray and you think you're just saying words. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, before it ever reaches the ear of the Father, takes your words, sanctifies them, puts them in proper structures and forms and sentences so what the Father hears is clear, precise prayer. It's the Spirit of the Father. It's the Spirit of the Father. It's the Spirit of the Father. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end, the Bible says, will be saved. Let's, let's pause here just for a moment. He says, brother will deliver brother over to death. The father, his child, and the children will rise against their parents and have them put to death. Here is what Jesus is saying. You know what creates this? When you call others to worship Jesus. Here's why the language of death is important here. Because in that day and age, what they were committing was blasphemy. And under the law, they deserved to be stoned. Under the law, they deserved death. And here's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Make no mistake. 
death will be knocking. This is what, this is, this is Jesus. Jesus causes division. Could you imagine the turmoil the disciples are facing and you have a family member, well, what's, what's going on? Why is this happening to you? It's, it's Jesus. That's their testimony. Here's what we want our testimony to be. Man, how'd you get that big house? How'd you get that Benz in the, in the front lawn? How, how did you, wow, amazing. And we wanna go, it's Jesus. Might I submit, just, just humbly before you, that, that one of those gives more glory to God and, and it's not the new car on the driveway. And I'm not saying God cannot do that, God will not do that, that God doesn't delight in doing that. But, but if you have an individual, talking about God gave me this car and you have an individual who, who everything has been robbed of him and yet praise is still in his mouth. You tell me that person is not giving more glory to God. Because we're tied to Jesus. We're, we're not tied to what we can acquire. We're not tied to rejection and affliction. We're not tied to debt and circumstances. We're tied to him. Now, I have five minutes left. I love preaching for an hour. This is so good. Not that, I'm, I mean, I'm having a good time is what I mean. I didn't mean that to sound arrogant or anything like that. Verse 22, he says, you will be hated. Yeah, by, by all. You, you know when I, you know, sometimes like, uh, you know, I, I ask people to respond to the call to follow Jesus. When you, when you receive the call to follow Jesus, what you have just signed is, is for yourself to be hated. That's, that's the reality, that's the truth. The truth is the moment we made a decision to follow Jesus, we signed ourselves to be hated. Hated by the world, but at the same time hated by our flesh. Your flesh hates you for following Jesus. Your natural tendencies hate you for following Jesus. They hate you for worshiping the one who made you in his image. So, so you will be hated. Notice, he says, for my name's sake. I gotta talk about this because this is important. There's a difference between being hated and being hated for Jesus' name's sake. There's a difference between being hated and being hated for Jesus' name's sake. Some of you are hated because you're just not friendly people. Straight up. Some of you aren't invited over for dinner because you just don't shower as often as you should. Hello. 
I'm running out of things to say, so now I'm just insulting you. This is what happens when I preach for an hour. No, no, no. He, he, says, he says, hated, hated for, for my name's sake. Because here, here, here's, here's the thing. I've seen this, this scripture be twisted by people who want to be nasty people. No discernment. No spirit of Christ. And their defense is, well, Jesus said, I'll be hated. No, 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 no. There, there's a difference between you being hated because you don't, you don't know how to operate and submit to the Holy Spirit and have the fruit of the Spirit. And, and there's a difference between you being hated for Jesus' name sake. Well, you, you know, oh, yeah, well, you know, my job's persecuting me. I'm a follower of Jesus. No, no, no. They're persecuting you because you don't show up on time. There's, there's a difference. We can't use this scripture to validate those, those things. It's not permission to operate outside the spirit of Christ. Why? Because what Jesus is saying is, is it's the message that is going to cause people to hate you, not the method. And that's important. Because sometimes what happens is, is, is we preach in the wrong methods and we blame it on the message. You, you get what I'm saying? See, see, the Bible says that it's Jesus who, who is the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. The Bible doesn't say it's your personality. It's Jesus. He is the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. It's the message of the cross, Paul says, that is folly to the world, foolishness, a stumbling block. So let me say this. If it's for his name's sake, why is it causing hatred? See, here's what we think, right? We think, we think Jesus' name only conjures up and stirs up love within people. That if you really preach Jesus, then people will like you, there will be no offense, and everybody will get together on the Thanksgiving dinner and have a good time and, and nobody will be upset at each other. Wrong. Jesus causes hatred to be stirred up in people's hearts. That's what he just said. You'll be hated for my name's sake. My name is going to produce hate in people. And what we tell people is if there's hatred, then you must be doing it wrong. And not the words of Jesus. Jesus says if you do it right, <laughs> there's going to be offense. There's going to be people who hate you. This is what's going to happen. And sometimes we look at preachers, we look at pastors who, who are preaching the word of God, Christians living out proper biblical discipleship. And if we see that it causes hate, we go, well, that's not what Jesus would do. Don't you see how you're hurting people and how people are enraged in certain lifestyles and other religions and movements? Well, that's not what Jesus, really? 
That's the very exact thing Jesus instructs his disciples to do. Figure that one out. And so here's, here's what I'll say as to, to, to make sure I balance what I'm saying is that if you are preaching Jesus, but, but you're not operating by the spirit of Jesus, meaning you lack his character, you're misrepresenting him. And if you think preaching Jesus only stirs up love within people, you're not preaching Jesus. That's the tension. Why is that important, Pastor Mo? Because this whole section is not about what happens when you live out a lifestyle of a good person. This whole section is what happens when you live out a lifestyle under the name of Jesus. If you wanna be good, trust me, you'll avoid hatred. You wanna follow Jesus, it's coming. It is coming, but Jesus says the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, he's saying the fruit of salvation is seen in the endurance of the one saved. It's not immediate, but ultimately, you're going to be all right. Immediately, I, I don't know. Ultimately, he's got you. He's got He's got you. So let's pray to that end. Father, we thank you for tonight. Father, we thank you that even in your Bible, in your, in your scriptures, in your word, you assume responsibility over the perseverance of the saints. that we know we have to endure, we know we have to persevere, we know, God, we have to follow you, your ways, your will, your voice, be led by your spirit, put on your character. But we are not the ones who started this and we shall certainly not be those who finish it. That is your job description. So we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for those you are sending in your name, full of your authority, representing the king who's overcome death, sin, and the grave. We worship you, we give you glory. There is nobody like you, God. In Jesus' name I pray.